Good morning once again. How is everybody? Are we having a good time so far this morning? It's so good to see you. Well, I'm excited about closing this series down today. We've been in an incredible series called Home. We're about to jump into that in just a moment. If you have your Bibles, open your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 6, 1 through 4. We're going to look at um, Ephesians chapter 6, starting at verse 1. But very quickly, many of you grabbed one of these or you someone handed one of these to you on your way in. Um, it's pretty self-explanatory, but these are creative strategic in giving. Strategeries, y'all remember? Okay, sorry, just trying to make a joke. Come on, come on, stay with me. All right, all right. No, these are, um, but you got one of these, and there's just all kinds of different ways uh, to give to our campaign that we're happening. If you have any questions, an email in the back here of Rob. If you have a goat that you're looking to get rid of, we'll take goats, chickens, we'll take it all, okay? Whatever it takes. No goats, no chicken. Sorry, I apologize. Just uh, other things. All right. So <clears throat> anything else on this one, just go ahead and you can email Rob and all that kind of stuff. But that's a, a really cool thing that we're doing there. But Ephesians chapter 6, we're going to jump into this. Today we are going to talk about parenting, uh, but also with this kind of kind of really uh, for all of us in this room, we can benefit whether you're old and out of kids, don't have them anymore, or maybe you are, you know, single, or maybe you're a kid, or maybe you're going to have, it fits everybody. And there's different styles of parenting. And I noticed this when, you know, in my own getting kids early, you know, a while back, um, that my wife and I have two different strategies of parenting. Um, I know for me, uh, I was the, you know, loose, let them go, and she's more of the no. Uh, I remember many times that there was like, you know, she would be like keeping the kids away from the electrical circuits. Um, I remember one of our kids was putting like a, a metal thing in the electrical socket, and she's like, no, no, no. And I'm like, no, let him do it. He'll only do it once. You know, that was, my, that was my parenting growing up. I mean, right? Right? Anybody else? You only do it once. I'll let him stick that thing in there. And she's like, yeah, I agree with you and all, but on my method, he doesn't get electrocuted, okay? Let's just keep him away from it. Um, there are different styles of parenting. But let's look in God's Word this morning uh, on a little bit about um, what God says to this, all right? So read along with me here. It says, children, obey your parents because you belong to the Lord, for this is the right thing to do. Honor your father and mother. Uh, let's just stop there and pray and go to lunch, all right? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Everybody, people's like, yes. And, and parents, I'm going to ask you, especially parents of teenagers, n n let's not do a whole lot of this today, okay? I know some of you are like, listen, honey, you need to hear this, Okay. I, I, I saw you. Yeah, no, I know. I just I, I caught that in my peripheral. No, no, no. Listen to this. Keep going with me. Say, honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise. If you honor your father and mother, things will go well for you. And you will have a long life on the earth. All right? That's, that's, I think that's pretty important right there. Say, like, hey, you want to live long? There you go. All right? You, because your parents will choke you out. All right? But look at the verse 4. We go into verse 4. It says, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them. Rather, bring them up with the discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord. This is God's word here, and we're going to unpack this in just a moment. So pray with me. Father, we love you. God, I thank you for already this morning that we've had where we have been able to just uh, dedicate children to you. And that we take that dedication serious as a church to bring up 
uh, children to know you. And so, Father, today, as we open your word, as we continue to unpack what it means to honor, what it means not to honor, what it means to be a parent, what it means to be a child, Lord, Father, I pray that you would just lead us, guide us, direct us. Let the words that come out of my mouth today, Lord, let them be your words, uh, not mine. So, Father, we just ask for your blessing this morning. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So, as we open that up, as we read that, this, this scripture, there is no age limit, okay, or expiration date on this commandment, okay? I think that all of us, um, whether how old we are, uh, we never outgrow God's in instructions to honor our parents, no matter how old we get or no matter how old we are. But we got to look at what is honor. So let me break down what honor is and what honor isn't, and then I want to give you some practical things that I feel like could help us this morning. Listen, from a study of scripture, we see that honor refers to recognition. It's recognizing, recognition of a person due to their appointed status. And because of that appointed status, now what we see is we can show integrity toward that. That is what honor is. In other words, honor your father and mother could be rephrased in recognize the appointed position of your father and mother and show integrity in your actions toward them. So it's understanding that there is a recognizing or understanding that the recognition comes from, the, from God. Since a parent's position, father or mother, is appointed by God, there's no exception to the command to recognize that. So bottom line is, therefore, parents don't get honor because they deserve it. They get honor because they are appointed it. Does that make sense? So, so hang on to that one. So it should be a relief for us. To understand that, uh, that honor is simply a recognition of a person, appointed position, that they have appointed position. That's easier to swallow than obedience, respect, esteem towards someone who sometimes maybe doesn't deserve it. See, this is where we get into a, the trickiness of honoring mom and dad if you grew up in a situation like mine. This was for something for me that I had to learn and develop and get growing up because I had a father who was an alcoholic drug addict. And then I read God's word over here that says, hey, I'm supposed to honor my father and mother. And I grew up in a situation where there was no real honor there. there was no, I didn't want to do that. Now, I'll unpack that here in just a little bit as we look at what honor is not. Here's what honor is not. Honor is not all about obedience here. Because when in Colossians 3.20, it says this. It says, obey your parents in everything. Well, that's not necessarily true, Right? Because God also says, don't fall into the sins or follow the sins of others. So if your parents are asking you to kill the neighbor, you can say no. Don't kill the neighbor. Okay? So following them in sin is not something that we were supposed to do. That's 2 Timothy 5.22 says, do not share in the sins of others. And so we got to understand, not all about obedience here. Uh, it does mean absolute everything. It doesn't mean absolute everything. So we, just something to understand as we go through this and unpack this. Honor is also not praise. Honor is not a feeling. Honor is not something that a parent can demand either. I cannot demand honor as a parent. Honoring someone you do not respect starts with seeing them as they are. Here's the key to this, okay? Honoring someone you do not respect, in which, again, I'm speaking from my situation. Maybe you grew up with a great mom and dad. You grew up in a great situation. You grew up in a great thing. But sometimes, you know, maybe you didn't. So I'm speaking kind of in that, in that form here. Honoring you do not respect starts with seeing them as they are. Here's how we see them. Created in the image of God. 
When we see them created in the image of God, it changes how we then honor and see them. We can honor our moms, dads, even if we don't respect the wrong choices. This is something I had to understand. This is something that I had to learn. This is something that God had to really show me. And it showed me as when I got married and when I started having kids, I started wanting to ask myself this question. I think we all can ask ourselves this question. For those of you who are married and you have kids, am I showing my kids how I want to be treated by the way I honor my mom and dad? Am I showing my kids, maybe it's not even that because I don't have the mom and dad. Maybe it's am I showing my kids how I want to be honored by the way I treat my spouse. See, for me, that was a big thing. I wanted to show my boys how they're supposed to treat their mothers by how I treat their mother. And if I don't treat their mother right, they're not going to treat their mother right. If I speak disrespectfully and not honor her, they're going to follow in that lead, yes? And they're not going to do that. And if you know my boys now who are 17 and 20, and I got two of them, I'm not up here to even tell you that I have it all figured out. I'm not up here to tell you that I'm the best parent ever. But I do have a kid going to West Point and one going to Arkansas. So 50-50 is not too bad. (laughs) Because I told him he should have went to Duke instead of West Point, okay? So, ah, was it just about that one over there? No. I'm not. I don't have it figured out. I'm, try, I'm trying to learn it every day as well. Um, but I do understand is I want to show my kids how to treat their future spouse and their mom and dad by how I treat my wife. They don't necessarily get to see me how I treat my parents because I don't have a relationship with them, but I have a relationship with my wife. And I want to model that. And I want to show that. And so looking at, as I, I kind of give you some practical things here, as I, I'm showing my kids this, um, we got to understand, and I said this before, parents, we're imperfect people. We're broken people. Uh, we're all broken. And we're just broken people leading broken people to a perfect Savior. Um, we're going to make mistakes. And actually, sometimes um, people are just terrible parents. Let's just call it what it is. It's just sometimes that's what it is. But going back to what we said about the honor is this. They are created in the image of God. So how do we lead eternally? Let me, let me, let me, let me unpack this in a little bit. How do we lead internally? Proverbs 22, 6 says this. Train a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not what? Turn from it. Let me say it again. Train a child in the way that he should go, and when he is old, he will not turn from it. So let me give you four practical things this morning that I feel like what we can do as parents, what we can do as those of you that are not parents yet, you can start looking at to say, okay, this is kind of something I want to model. One is parents, look at this, guide them toward a personal relationship with God. I believe as parents, our job is to guide them toward that personal relationship with the Lord, starting at that early age in life, starting at that, that age where they start to understand what that means and start to guide them in that personal relationship with the Lord. In Deuteronomy chapter 4 through 9, it says, Listen, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. And you must love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your strength. Verse 6 says, And you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I I'm giving you today, and look at verse 7 right here. It says, repeat them again and again and again and again to your, to your children. Love the Lord your God. Show what that, Lord, what that, what that looks like. Continue to, to everything. Lean in on him and repeat it over and over and over again to your children. Look at what it says. Talk 
about them when you are at home. Talk about them when you're on the road. Talk about them when you are going to bed and when you are getting up. Tie them to your hands. Wear them on your foreheads as reminders. Write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. That's how important it is to over and over and over saturate your home with God's word. Because your kids will see it. Your kids will begin to see it and see it and read it and read it and how much they far they are. Some of the almost, um, some incredible stories that I know of. Is in, I've seen it being in 26, 27 years of, of being in evangelism and in ministry. I've seen everything you can imagine, especially working with students and, you know, being in high schools and all the things that I've seen is where I've seen, and it's such an incredible story, is when I see kids who are raised in Christian homes not necessarily follow after their mom's and their dad's belief. I've seen it over and over and again. And, there, and I've had conversations where we did everything. We, uh, we just did it all. We, we prayed over them. We had it written all over our homes. We, we loved them and we praised them. And we, we, I mean, we praised him and they saw us do this. We drugged them to church. And they ran off. I've seen it. Some of you are going, mm-hmm, I know. You've either been there or you're living in that right now. But this promise is this, I love this, is that when you train a child in the way he will go, and when he's old, he will not turn from it. Let me tell you how cool that is. And if we continue to repeat and repeat and repeat, and we throw this into our own lives, they come back. I've seen it. And some of the greatest stories I've seen is when that has happened to a family and we've prayed and we've prayed and we've prayed and God's got his own timing. Is when we've seen that family member or that son or that daughter who say, come back to the faith because they stayed faithful. Amen. It's staying faithful in that. It's so guide them toward that personal relationship with God. We as a church, I mentioned a moment ago, we have this orange curriculum that is the wake time, the meal time, the drive time, the bedtime. And as a church, we provide that to our kids' ministries so they will have that over and over and over again. And they will be able to, to, to uh, unpack that at home. And so you're saying, well, I'm not a Bible teacher. I'm not this. I'm not that. We're giving you everything you need for your child to be able to take home and saturate them in God's word. And 3 John 1, 4 says, I have no greater joy than to hear that my, child, my children are walking in the truth. Oh, I believe that one. There is no greater joy of knowing that your child is your kid is walking in God's truth. So we have to guide them toward a personal relationship with God. And as I said a moment ago during the child dedication, there has to be a time in your child's life, though, where they must own their own faith. I have to be at a point where I have to go, okay, you have to own this. This is your faith, not the faith of your mom and dad, not the faith of your pastors, not the faith of the people that you're around. They have to come to a place in their own lives where they have been guided to that personal relationship with Jesus, and then they make their own choice to follow the Lord. We have to then step out. We have to then go, hey, I've done everything I can. Here you go. This is all here for you. We lead them to the water, and they got to drink it. Amen? Well, we have to make that commitment as parents. If we want that honor, we want that honor that they went again, then we have to guide them to a personal relationship with God. Here's number two is this, lead them. So we got guide them toward a personal relationship. Here's the next one, lead them away from the dangers of the world. 
lead them away from the dangers of the Lord. We, I think in our homes we have to have set boundaries and things that we do. There's, there's sometimes in, in certain ages, yes, where we have to let go. And they're 18 plus. We start giving them, hey, you got freedom. There's things and freedom that we say, yeah, go ahead. Stick that thing in the light socket and see what's going to happen, right? But there is th times in where you have to start leading them away from the dangers of showing them, hey, man, look, trust me. Look, they're going to make their own choices, right? But we have to do our part as parents to lead them away from the dangers of this world. Now, I uh, did not do a great job at this as a, um, as a parent when I was early on. I did something that, you know, I'm not necessarily proud of, but it was a, a mistake that took place in my life with my child. Um, I left him in the car for like three hours. No, um, I cooked him basically. And so if you wondered why he's the way he is now. Uh, the, the one time my wife said, hey, listen, I want you to take your kid up to, it was, uh, it was October time, it was Halloween time, uh, and was Colton at this time, and he was real little bitty. He was probably about four years old, I would say. My wife said, take him up to Toys R Us, and this was back when they had Toys R Us. Y'all remember Toys R Us? Yeah, wasn't that a place? Uh, incredible place. And they would have it all decked out with Halloween costumes and stuff. My wife said, just take your kid down there, buy him a costume, and have a good father-son time. Now, you understand, I did not have a great biblical or a non-biblical example of fatherhood, okay? I did not have that growing up. I did not know what dads do, what they don't do. So a lot of times I was very nervous about taking my child places because I was just nervous and I was scared and I was afraid that one day I would actually go out somewhere. I'm not used to having a kid. I've never had a kid. And I would come home and my wife would go, hey, where are the kids? Ah, man, I left them at Burger King, you know, or something like that. Uh, there was a lot of fear there of that. So I didn't know what to, what to expect. And because, again, did not have a great example growing up. She said, just take him there, enjoy this time, buy him a costume. I said, okay, I got this. And she said, just don't leave him there. Okay, I got you. So we go. And uh, we walk in, and they got it decked out. I mean, you know, Halloween thingies all over everything. And Colton walks in and goes, I said, this is cool, huh? He goes, no, this is scary. I said, no, it's fine. It's all not real. And this is my job here as a daddy to go, no, 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 it's not real. I'll show you that it's not real. It's awesome. Come on. He goes, no, just pick me out a Superman costume. I'll be in the car. I said, no, 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 come on, buddy, look, look, look. And I wanted to show him that this is not real. And I wanted to, you know, again, lead him away from the dangers. And I picked up this severed head. Stay with me. I'm showing him it's not real. And so I'm looking at it. I go, look, it's not real. Come touch it. And he's like, nah, man, quit playing with me. And I'm holding it like this, and I'm holding it by the hair. And, it, and then I see on its ear, it says, push me. I go, oh, look, it does something. So I said, come here. He goes, okay. So now he's, yay. So he walks up, and I go, I don't know what it, I've never done, I don't, I don't. So I, I pushed the ear, I squeezed it, and it goes, Come closer. It talked. I said, it's talking. My kid is going, this is not cool at all. <laughs> and I'm like, look, it says, come close. Come closer. And it had this British accent. I go, look, it's from London. <laughs> and so Colton's walking up. Now, again, let me preface this with this. I had no idea what this thing was going to do. I had no idea. I just was a new father. I'm trying to figure this out. I want to show him that it's not real and none of this is real. And we're just going to get a Superman costume and leave. But this thing is talking now, so it's pretty cool. 
So I'm like, Captain Clouds, that guy. So I'm walking toward him, and he's like, dude, this ain't cool. All of a sudden, out of nowhere, the jaw drops off the face, and the tongue shoots out of the mouth. <laughs> Hits him in the forehead, and this thing goes, Rah! I had no clue. I'm like, no! And he goes, he starts screaming and takes off running through Toys R Us. Now, he is gone. So now I'm like, oh, great. I'm going to lose my kid. Here we go. So I start chasing after him to get him back. But I forgot to put down the head. <laughs> so I'm like running, going, go, Dad! And so I'm running. I got the head in my hand, not paying attention. I got the head in my hand. He's taking off. He would look back at me like to go, Dad! and see me with the head. Now he thinks I'm chasing him through Toys R Us with a severed head. Other parents are going by in their baskets going, leave that kid alone, man. I'm like, ah! I realize I got it. I threw it in Toys R Us. He dives into like the clothing rack thing, just goes in there and hides, and you see this little face go, <laughs> and I'm like, I stop. I realize what has happened. I realize I just chased my child through Toys R Us with a severed head, and he's only four. There's going to be a lot of bills of therapy that's going to happen here. So I'm looking, and I get down on my knee, and I'm like, hey, man, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. And he comes. He looks around to make sure I don't have that thing. And the coolest moment is he dives up out of this clothing rack runs after me and just jumps into my arms. And I remember having this father-son moment where he grabbed a hold of me and squeezed my neck so tight because he was so fearful of this moment that I put him in. The one who's supposed to protect him, the one who's supposed to be taking care of him, the one who's supposed to be leading him away from dangers. I then brought danger to him, but he knew once that danger was gone, it wasn't what it was. Who did he run to? The arms of his father. And that's who we run to, the arms of, of our father. We run to his arms. We run to him when we go through these things. So one of the things that we do is we need to lead away from the dangers of the world. Look at this verse in Deuteronomy 4, 25. It says, in the future, when you have children and when you have grandchildren and have lived in the land a long time, it says, do not corrupt yourselves. Look at this. This is so important. I'm hoping you hear this this morning. Do not corrupt yourselves by making idols of any kind. This is evil in the sight of the Lord your God and will arouse his anger. Do not corrupt yourselves by making idols of any kind. Can I just be real for you, with you just in a moment, just for a moment? As parents, we have to ask ourselves this question. What are we putting in our home structure that is number one? What is number one in our home structure, in our life, in our home is fathering the Lord or are we building idols? And some of you are going, well, I don't never built a golden calf in my backyard and, 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 and worshipped it with my kids. Well, great. But what about your work? Is that becoming an idol? Can work become an easy idol in our home where all your child sees is dad and mom, all they do is work, 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 and that becomes number one over everything? And let me just strike a couple nerves here because I fell into this. What about a sport? Kid starts playing sports. 
and that sport becomes number one. That sport becomes the thing that the only thing that you, you know, that you focus on and that you gather around and you miss church, you miss this, you miss that, you miss all these things and you put sports. What is our kids learning when we say sports become first over God? Let's just be real. And I did it. As a basketball coach, I got a kid playing Division One at West Point, okay? We did it. We at times had to say, wait a minute, what are we doing with this? Are we showing our kid we're more concerned about that? Are we showing our kid that, you know, we had to show that God was number one over those things, work, sports, and even stuff. We can even make stuff, just stuff an idol, bigger house, get a pool, get a this, get a that, got a boat, got a motorcycle, got a this. And those stuff can easily become an idol and we're showing our kids we're worshiping those things and not God. Yes? So, it's, so, it's so true. Guide them toward a personal relationship with God. Lead them away from the dangers of the world, the things, idols that are. And that leads us into this third one I'll give you, and I'm about to be done. Let them see the priority of Christ in our life. Let them see Christ is a priority. That leads right into that. And the idols, okay? Lead them to see the priority of Christ in our lives. Even while they, in, 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 in 2 Kings, even while these people were worshiping the Lord, so they're worshiping the Lord, look what they even did, they were serving their idols. To this day, their children and their grandchildren continue to do this. They continue to do as their forefathers did. We're saying, no, 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 I'm worshiping the Lord, I'm doing the right things, but here's my deal, but I'm still serving those idols. These are things that I believe that the enemy came to kill, steal, and destroy will attack the biblical look of a family. When we're trying to lead them to a personal relationship with God, when we try to lead them to the, from the dangers of the world, when we're trying to lead them to see the priority in our lives, we let things like sports and stuffs and work and all that kind of stuff get in the way. Listen to this. Children learn by watching more than they do by hearing. Would you agree with that? Children learn more by watching than they do by hearing. Oh, and I know this one very well in my life because I know early on I had two little bitty eyes staring at me in Austin traffic. And we were driving and someone in Austin traffic, because everybody drives so perfectly here. They were little bitty. And I remember this person pulled out in front of us and I yelled, you idiot! And I remember this little bitty voice coming from the back seat. Yeah, you idiot. <laughs> and I went, oh, no. Because, see, I have two Holy Spirits in my life. I have the one who dwells inside of me after salvation and the one who sits next to me when I drive. <laughs> Anybody else know what I'm talking about here? Okay, yeah. So I catch this gleam coming from this passenger seat, and I'm trying to change the subject because, you know, I just heard what I heard, and I know her feelings on that, and I know the right thing, and I'm twisting and turning here, so I go, who wants to go to Chuck E. Cheese? I'm getting the kids going, yeah, that idiot, yeah, stop with the idiot. <laughs> and my wife looks at me and says, do you get it? They're going to do what you do. They're going to say what you say. They're going to be who you are. And I went, you're right. And I had to own it. I had to turn around and look at those boys in the face and say, hey, Dad is sorry. I'm super sorry. That guy's an idiot. <laughs> I did not say that. <laughs> 
I apologized. I said I was sorry. And, but it gave me a really good example of I want to lead them to see that the priority of Christ is in my life, in everything I do. I want to make my home a constant source of God's word. And we have to make our homes a constant source of God's word. But you know one of the biggest killers right now that I see in homes of Christians is apathy. Apathy. I think COVID has brought out apathy in so many of us. I know myself included. Apathy, the definition of apathy is this, lack of concern, lack of emotion, lack of feeling, especially in regards to, uh, especially in regards to things of general importance. So whatever's important, if something very important in our lives, that apathy is a lack of feeling, emotion, and those things toward that. So if Christ is a center of my life and I'm apathetic toward that, my kids are going to see it, Yes. And they're going to be calling everybody an idiot and maybe worse. So we have to battle this. We have to battle this. Last thing, and I'm done. So we guide them toward a personal relationship with God. We lead them away from the dangers of this world. We lead them to see the priority of Christ in our own lives, not allowing apathy, not allowing things to creep in, but being showing because our kids will learn by, by watching more than they will hearing. And here's number four, what we can show in our kids' lives, what I was able to show in my kids' lives was this, show them what forgiveness looks like. We show our kids or even anyone around us showing what forgiveness looks like. I think this is one of the biggest things that's happened to me in my life, in my world, when I was able to show my kids and they were able to actually see me forgive my dad, which was one of the hardest things I ever had to do in my life, but was one of the most freedom things that's ever took place in my life was when I was able, they knew my father, they knew what he was about, they knew the things that I would actually even say about him. I was not honoring him as a person. I was not honoring him as, as, as a, a, a created by God or anything because I rationalized the situation why I couldn't forgive him. I, I, I justified why I couldn't forgive him. I minimized why I couldn't forgive him. But I stuck into this, I will not forgive this man because the things that he did to me. And my kids were watching this and they were seeing this. And over and over I would come and I would see these scriptures that would say this, and I'll give you this one, Ephesians 4, get rid of all bitterness, get rid of all rage, get rid of all anger, get rid of all harsh words and slander as well. And I'll ask you to come out and play real soft and so I can close here. Instead, it says in verse 32, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. It says, get rid of all the bitterness, get rid of all the rage, get rid of all the anger, get rid of all the harsh words and the slander. And I know in my personal life, I was not doing this with my children. I was not modeling this to my kids. I was not modeling what this was supposed to look like because I was so caught up in this. I will not forgive this man. And let me tell you what forgiveness is not, and then I'm going to close. Forgiveness is not pretending that you weren't hurt. Or saying what that person did wasn't wrong. That's not what forgiveness is. Is it, is it is instant gratification? Also, it isn't instant restoration or, or trust either. Forgiveness is not forgetting also what happened. That's not what it's about. Forgiveness is this. It's releasing that person to God that hurt you. And it's freedom. 
Forgiveness is freedom from the pain and the bitterness that we hold on to. C.S. Lewis says everything, everyone says forgiveness is a lovely idea until they have to forgive. Why should we forgive? Well, because God says so. He commands it. Unforgiveness, it hurts us. I know for me, and I had this moment where I was able to forgive my father, and then I was able to actually show my kids this when my father was in hospice and he was dying. I let it go. I forgave him. I got a call from the hospice people, said he's dying. You need to come see him. And while she was telling me he was dying and I needed to come see him, I actually got this. And many of you may not know this, but the lady said she knew me. It was very strange. I knew my dad was in hospice. I knew he was about to die. And this woman from the hospice calls me and goes, are you Casey Benson? I said, yes, ma'am. She goes, I'm so-and-so. I'm from the River Tree hospice place. I said, okay. So I was waiting for her to say, your father has passed away. He's dead. So I could deal with it. I'm done. I've already forgiven him. I hadn't, really, I hadn't talked to him. And she said, are you the Casey Benson that balances things on his face? I said, oh my gosh, this woman knows who I am. I go, um, I mean, this is so odd, right? I'm waiting to hear my dad's dead. And she's like, are you the guy who balances? I go, yeah, I'm that Casey Benson. She goes, you preached at my church. I go, oh, that's cool. Is my dad dead? <laughs> I don't know. So she starts going on. Oh, yeah, you came to our church, blah, blah, blah. I mean, she's going on. I finally go, ma'am, I need you to tell me what's going on. She goes, I saw your name as a contact, and I knew it was you. So I had to call you and tell you this. Okay, please tell me he's gone so I can process this and move on. She goes, no, no. She goes, I need to tell you this. Your father got saved today. I said, what? Did he get a liver? What are you talking about? Because I know my definition of saved. Like, what are you talking about saved? Was he rolling out in the street and somebody grabbed him? I mean, what are you talking about saved here, lady? And now she starts going on. She's saying, hey, no, listen, there is a man, and he is a nursing home evangelist. And he has showed up today, and he spent about three hours with your dad, walked out of his room and said, this man just gave his life to the Lord. And I said, I know, I wish I would have done that, but I did not. I said, first of all, I went, what? It's a nursing home evangelist. I've never heard of such a thing in my life. The first thing I thought of was some guy going, in Jesus. You know, I don't know. That's what I thought of. And she goes, no, 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 no. This young guy, he's a pastor, and he goes room to room to room. And I go, what? I was blown away, man. This was the dad that I hated most of my life. She goes, they baptized him today. I was at work. I go down and I tell my wife, I go, um, this just happened. And she kind of did the more, yeah, whatever. And I go, I don't know. And maybe I'm wrong for that. I don't know. Because it was very, it was very emotional. And this was very personal. And my relationship with the Lord was very personal. And my kids were there and they're hearing this and they're seeing this. And one of my kids, Colton, was going with me multiple times that I witnessed to this man before this moment where he said, I don't want your God. I don't need your God. Stop telling me about God. He saw that many times. 
And now you're telling me this man just gave his life to the Lord on his deathbed to a nursing home evangelist and a hospice in Bastrop, Texas. So we load up in the car and we head out there. Yes, my wife, I did not hardly talk or say a word on the way out there because I'm processing it, I'm going through this. This is this father that I had to honor, this father that the Bible says I'm supposed to do this with, and I'm torn up inside. I know I've, given, I've forgiven him, I've let that go, but now he's saying, is it real, is it true? And I was so worried about that disappointment, I was so worried about walking in that room and just seeing the same old guy, and it just nothing was real, and it would just be a disappointment, so I probably put up a wall. But we get there, and here comes this lady, Casey Benson. I met the biggest Casey Benson fan, and she just happens to work at this hospice, right? She's, could you sign my book? And I'm like, oh my God, what are we doing? I'm trying to keep my head together. She's got my book. She wants me to sign it and balance this. I'm like, shut up. And I go, I'm here to see my dad. Oh, yeah, yeah. Check it out. She says, right down there, room seven. I said, well, that's kind of cool. So my wife, my two boys, we walk down there. Open that door. And we walked into this man's room. And for the very first time, I met somebody brand new. I met somebody I've never met before. We talked. We cried. I pulled out my Bible. We start reading. He's starting, he pulls out a guitar and starts singing some song that he had learned years ago that he had no idea was about the Jesus that he just met. And he sang this song, an old hymn that with his guitar about the nails that were driven in his hands. And you, I could see in his face and our spirits connected that this man gave his life to the Lord. It was an incredible moment. <laughs> We're leaving. I was leaving the next day to go preach at a church in, in, in Dallas, and we're leaving. And I'm, I grab his hand, and we prayed. I remember I kissed him on his forehead, and I'm getting up, and he's, he's dying. His liver, he had hepatitis C from all the drug use. Liver was gone from all the drinking. And he wouldn't let go of my hand. I'm trying to pull myself up. And he pulls me down to him. And he says this, which is just, he worn himself out for trying to sing a song and just to talk in. And he looks up and he says, son, I don't remember a time this guy called me son. He said, son, do you really forgive me? And I was just start, I just started bawling. I'm crying, Vicky's crying, Colton's crying. And I said, of course I do. And of course, God has the most amazing sense of humor as we're just having this most unbelievable moment of this man who's dying, who's this man who is saying, do you really forgive me? And I'm crying, my Colton's crying, Vicky's crying. Titan has moved himself over away from us and he was with the cord. He had the cord that was keeping this man alive in his hands and he was unplugging it. <laughs> True story. So in this middle of this moment of God just restoring all this stuff, Vicky looks up and goes, no, 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 no. <laughs> Let's not kill him yet. <laughs> you know? It was the most wildest thing. We start laughing like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> he just about took him out. I was like, wow, God, you have an amazing sense of humor. 
So we hugged, we prayed, we said goodbye. I told him I'd come back and see him on Monday because I had to leave for the weekend to go preach. And he died on Monday, and I didn't get to see him again. But the cool thing is I'm going to see him again. And so all of this to say, and I share that, and God really put that on my heart this morning to share in this, because why? I don't know. I just know by praying through this this week, God said, no, you need to share this. And somebody needed to hear that in this morning. Somebody needed, maybe more than you, some of you needed to hear about what it means to forgive and how we example that and how we show that to our kids and how we even honor our fathers and our mothers who are not the greatest. I found out, and my wife would say this, and this is what we would say about this. He was a child of God. This man who was an alcoholic, drug addict, left me in bars, beat on me, beat on my brother. Beat, I mean, you name it, I can tell you the stories. He still was a child of God. He still needed salvation. He still needed Jesus. And he found him. So wherever you might be in this room today, let me ask you, do you need Jesus this morning? Hey, listen, if you're in this room right here, right now, and you've never stepped over that line, you've never stepped out of that darkness and into the light, to this morning could be your time. This morning could be your moment. Maybe it's time for you to say, man, it's time for me to become one with Jesus. Maybe it's time for you this morning to say, hey, I'm tired of running and tired of playing religion and tired of playing games, and I need to go all in and give my life to the Lord. Maybe that's for you this morning. Maybe for some of you it's saying, hey, I know the Lord. I have a relationship with the Lord. But man, I'm living in that unforgiveness you're talking about. And I just need to get that right with this morning. I need to get those things right this morning. I need to make sure that, that, that uh, hey, I'm modeling that to my kids. And I need to make things right with God and I and forgiving somebody in your past. Or maybe even forgiving yourself. That's the second thing as we begin to worship here in a moment. And here's the third thing. I just want to pray over families this morning. I just want to pray over families this morning, the family unit. I want us to pray over, I want to pray over you, whether it's you just standing up or maybe you coming down here. I don't know how you feel comfortable. But I want to take Sarah's salvation first. Would you close your eyes and be real still? Hey, maybe in this room you're saying, I need Jesus. First and foremost, none of this matters and none of this even makes any sense if you don't know Christ, if you've never surrendered your life over to him, sought his forgiveness, understood that he died on the cross for your sins and gave you a place in heaven. When we truly get that and we truly understand it, it changes everything in our perspective. It changes everything. The Bible says when you become with Christ, the old is gone, the new has come. You become a brand new creation. You become a brand new creature in God. It says you confess with your mouth and you believe in your heart, not your head, that Jesus Christ is Lord, that he died for us. He was buried for us. He rose from the dead for us and he's coming back for us. It's a belief in our hearts. It's what my father found four days before he died. So I don't know where you are this morning, 
But I want to invite you to ask Jesus into your life. And all you have to do is just, it's not a magic prayer. It's just a prayer of you saying, Jesus, I want to go all in. So if that's you and you know you need to step over that line, you need to step out of that darkness, step into that light, just pray this with me. Say, Jesus, thank you for loving me. Thank you for loving me so much that you gave your life for me. And I believe today, this morning, right now, in my heart, that you are Lord, that you paid the price for my sins. So I ask for forgiveness of all the things I've done. Forgive me, Lord. Come into my heart. Rescue me. Save me. Give me hope. If you prayed that prayer and you really meant it, during this next song, I will be standing down here. You come find me. The next thing is this. Maybe for some of you, I want to encourage you maybe to come to the altar and pray and get some things, maybe some unforgiveness out of your lives. And the last thing is this. I just want to pray as we sing is this. I want to just, I felt the need to pray over families this morning. So if you want me to pray over your family, would you just stand where you are? Or you could come down here. I just want to pray over a blessing over the family unit this morning. So I'm going to pray over the families. If you don't want to stand, that's okay. I won't pray for you. Just kidding. I just want to pray. I do want to open the altar up as well to maybe bring your family down later during this song. But Father... I thank you for this morning. Lord, I pray this morning that if somebody went from dark to light, that they would come down. Lord, if someone gave their life to you, that they would come. And Father, I, I pray for and thank you this morning for your word on what we do as parents. And so, Father, I pray a blessing over every parent in this room, from the oldest to the youngest. Every parent in this room who is raising kids in this world today. God, that you will help us lead them to a personal relationship with you. Lord, that you will help us lead them away from the dangers of this world. God, that you will help us this morning just model in our homes what having a relationship with you looks like, Father. I pray against those idols and those things that get in the way and that we show is more important than you. Lord, I pray against those things. And God, I pray that we can model and show what real, true forgiveness that you bring. Thank you for forgiving us. And God, I pray we can show that in our homes, that our kids will see it, and they will grow to know you and know what forgiveness looks like. We praise you. We thank you. We give it to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, let's just sing this song right here as we roll out to this morning. But just take this opportunity and come to the altar.